listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 There was a $2.3 million wager on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus three and a half that would pay out about $2 million bucks, RJ. So there's that story that's out there. Plus, Super Bowl props are starting to come out fast and furious as we get set for the big game a little over a week away from now. And Fez had, I thought, a very insightful comment in pre-show about the sharpness of this bet. Because you might think, wait a minute. million dollars. Hoo-wee, that must be the best better in the world. And typically, if not a vast majority of the time, bets that big are not from sharps. They're from people who are maybe hedge fund guys, maybe looking for publicity, maybe who knows what, right? Someone inherited a bunch of money. It's not usually the smartest money. And... The rationale of that is, well, why would this Super Bowl be such an outstanding bet? Like, you didn't bet any games during the NFL regular season, but you're betting $2 million now. I mean, that happens a lot. This is the one bet a guy will make a year. Because think about it. If you're worth a half a billion dollars or a billion dollars, you know, $2 million is nice money, but it's like, you know... 100, 200 bucks is to me. So, yeah, you want to get down. You want the publicity, but it's not necessarily sharp. Fez, you noticed something about this bet that maybe this is sharper than the typical big bet. Yeah, and the reason being, if you scoured every sports book in Nevada and really in the U.S., you could not find a better number on Tampa Bay than plus 3.5, minus 115. So this better got the absolute best possible odds despite wagering Two million dollars. That uh, that's a very rare. Typically, when someone bets that much on something, they have to compromise on the line that they receive. I disagree with you. I don't think they compromise. I think what ends up happening is they are oblivious to it. Mm. I mean, because under a compromise would be the following: you would start betting at the place with the best number. So let's say I had total market insight. I knew every available outlet. And let's say that the analogy is getting gas, right? When you get gas, what do you typically do? You, you have your favorite gas station that's on the way, that's convenient. But if it's within your line of vision and across the street is two cents cheaper, you go across the street most of the time. But you usually aren't accessing a database of every up to the minute gas price and saying, oh, over here in Summerlin, it's offered for two cents a gallon. Because you're just, it's not, you're not that price sensitive, right? Now, I will say, I've known a lot of, it's funny, I knew a gambler when I hadn't even moved to Vegas, right? I was just out of college and I was playing poker. It was a 4-8 limit game. So there wasn't much to be made, but I was probably making 200 a week, you know, playing once a week. It was a nice little stream of income at the time. And the guy who was the head of the game was like maybe in his mid forties, but he'd been playing poker for 20 plus years. And, you know, the guy would lose five, 600 if it was a bad night, you know, anyone would a real bad night. And at one point he goes, you know, I'll walk for 20 minutes to save 10 cents on grapes. He goes, <laughs> but I've just, I just lost four, you know, and it's true. Gambling's like that, but most people aren't that price sensitive about things, but a winning, at least if it's hard to be right on Amazon, it's easy. I give me the cheaper price, right? In sports betting, it's not easy. It's not like Amazon. You've got to make the effort to find the odds. Like at pregame.com, we have an odd screen. They have the odds for the big things like the games, but if props or stuff, you got to go look around. It's tough. And 
if you're betting big, big money and across the street there's literally better odds, but you bet at another place at worse odds and you're betting millions, it doesn't make any sense except it proves a lot of these guys aren't price sensitive. And if you think it, because it's it's a whim to them. Fez, if you think back to it, the way I think you would see having to compromise would be they say, okay, on the first five hundred thousand we'll give you three and a half. Then on the next two hundred fifty we're going to give you three and a half, but you got to lay one twenty five. You know, usually there's going to be a ladder effect. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's a great point because the book doesn't mind giving you an enormous bet, provided they can keep moving it after sequentially after certain limits are reached. So I was shocked that the MGM just took it all at one price here, two million dollars. But if you're a price sensitive better, you're going to then go. You're going to set it up beforehand, and you're going to go to the MGM who has the best number, and you're going to say, "How much will you give me?" And if you don't give me that, because remember, the MGM not only wants his bet because they think they're going to win on it they long term, they want it because of the publicity. We're talking about the MGM right now. So we're on 225 stations, and we're one of many shows doing it probably. So to me, they're motivated to take these kind of bets, so the guys will come in and negotiate it. And then even if they say a million's all we're going to take, and then we move it a quarter, you know, or whatever, we move it, right? Is then the guy's going to say, all right, I'll do a million with you, but I'm going to set up the rest of it. They go down the street, they negotiate that price. And usually, but then the guy who wants publicity doesn't have just one ticket. So really the interesting thing about this, some of it is rich people that just don't care. They just want to be amused. Some of it is that we don't even hear about the bets because they're going to be at multiple different places. And the meaning maybe they do have two million down, but it's at four different spots because they couldn't get it all in one place. So in general, I think we can agree that this isn't a story of wow, a big batter. It's a story of someone who probably isn't a professional, wanting action, and is balancing the best number with publicity, with other factors. Maybe they're uh, a table player and they want better table term this is uh, there's usually more going on with these kind of bets and what we see in this case though the fact that he got the best number for the whole piece tells us that he may be more sophisticated than a typical gigantic batter would you agree with that yes absolutely and it sounds like you part of it you don't agree with like push back if you don't like what part do you maybe not agree with you know i think that what might what be happening here is that for the MDM to take such a huge wager, RJ, I can understand that for all the reasons that you laid out. But the surprising thing is after the wager was made, they're still sitting at the very same odds. Now so that, that's fascinating because a minimum you think you'd move it a dime, you know, move it down to, you know, three and a half or three. Because remember now, and this bears repeating, we're straight out of Vegas. I'm RJ Bell, Steve Fezzik, Jonas Knox, is three is the most valuable number in the NFL. Why is it valuable? Because the outcomes of the games fall three more than any other number. It's the most common margin of victory, favorite winning by three. Thus, to have plus three and a half is more valuable compared to three than, let's say, having plus five and a half is compared to five, because not many games fall five. So how do they split the action? They don't just move from two and a half to three to three and a half, because it's too big of a move. It's worth about 20 cents. So effectively, what they do is they move the VIG. They move the lay price. So typically, if you're laying minus 110, 
Okay, now, if you're laying minus 3, minus 120, you're laying an extra dime. So that's a way to kind of move in between the two. Minus 3, minus 130 is effectively minus 3.5, minus 110 because it's about worth 20 cents. So think about it. It moves up a half, and then it's a 20-cent adjustment. would be the same thing in the money line. So what you're saying, Fez, is it's plus 3.5, minus 115. So you're paying a little extra for the 3.5 because the market right now is what? What would you say is the overall consensus market on the game? 3.15 so minus li- 3, late bit dollar than, 20. Yeah, a little bit more than 3, right? But minus yes. 3 minus the dollar 20, if you if we thought about the math we just explained, would actually be 3.25, right? It'd be halfway in between the two. Yeah, it right. would be. So it's minus 3 minus, let's say, 116 or something. You know, it's a little over minus 110, right? So to get 3.5, which is worth 20 cents, and only have to pay a nickel more, minus 115, is actually a very good number. And the fact that they took $2 million at it, the MGM, and still haven't moved it, maybe, Fez, that tells us why they took the bet to start with. For whatever reason, they want Tampa Bay money. Exactly. They must have some exposure to uh, with Kansas City already, or maybe they just strongly feel Kansas City's the right side based upon their information. And think about that. What could the exposure be? It could be they have a huge future exposure on Kansas City, or uh, so they want to have Tampa Bay money. So if they have to pay out on Kansas City, if you, no, my understanding is most places don't have big Kansas City future exposure. Maybe they made some private, they took a private bet we don't even know about for $2 million on the other side. I don't know, right? But what we know is the fact that the best odds available anywhere in the country, and I mean Jersey, wherever, were the odds this guy took means he's fairly sharp probably. The fact that the MGM was given the best number for Tampa means they wanted Tampa action. It's like, think about it. If you're selling cars and you want to sell the yellow car, you make the yellow car more attractive financially, the price, right? In this case, they made Tampa attractive. But the real shocker was they took the biggest bet perhaps ever recorded and they didn't move the number, which is code for, come on, everyone, we're still at the market best. Give us more Tampa. Come on, punks. I mean, it's bold, and it is confusing, but it is noteworthy. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What was your number? Let's go through two or three takeaways. What was your biggest takeaway from what you saw with the movement and such in the betting? The Tampa Bay wide receiver Godwin, I'm seeing all kinds of sharp money on him under for reception yards. So he was at 79, he's down to 75. And the more I look at this, RJ, it makes a whole lot of sense because you look at these Tampa Bay receivers and they've been banged up. We saw Antonio Brown, he barely played the last two playoff games. Now he's going to play. Mike Evans, a guy, RJ, you were on, him not being 100%, him being injured. I know you played him under during the playoffs, but now Mike Evans— Against the Saints specifically because of the matchup, because Evans had a nice game against Green Bay, numbers-wise, but go ahead. Yes, much better than the, 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 the game you bet when he only got three yards. But both those guys trending upwards, you know, there's one football. So if there's more production from them, if little Scotty Miller's getting more catches, Gronk's going to get his time. At some point, the production and the targeting to Godwin has to go down. So I agree very much with this move from 79 down to 75 reception yards. Here's the paradox, though. Fez didn't see that initially. 
he wasn't like, you know, God went under. Now he gets the information that the line move gives him, but he has to play the worst number. And that's always the, if he plays it. And that's always the challenge. You want to see what the sharps are doing, but when the sharps do something, they tend to move the line. And now you've got to take it at a lesser number. And people, if they think about the sharps as magicians, as people that know the future, that's not what it is. A sharp just wins one more game every 20 games. A drunk baby flipping coins wins 50% of the time. I didn't get the baby drunk, but still, a drunk baby flipping coins 50% of the time. Fezzik, his goal, a professional better's goal was 55. The difference is one winner every 20 games additional. So the numbers matter. Every half point matters. And in general, the more sensitive someone is to a half point, the sharper they are. Someone who's not sensitive is – Fez, you know one winning long-term sports better that's not sensitive to the number. Not a one. It, you can't win. I mean, it, it's what you're doing is getting the best number. That's why you win. In any given game, you can win for a bunch of reasons. But over 100 games, 1,000 games, a lifetime of games, you only win if the number's wrong and you got the best number. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. So on one hand, we got this information. Now we got to ask ourselves, do we like it, Godwin, under because we're now going under a lower number, four yards less? Let me pose the following to you, Faz. And I'm going to ask Jonas this question, too. How do you account for the first game? They, these teams have played. And you could make the case it was a tale of two games, domination by KC early. Was it that, here's the question, did Tampa Bay figure out the defense? And we should expect just a continuation of that surge. Tampa had to come make it a three-point game and cover, plus three and a half. Or is it a situation where Kansas City just got bored and allowed Tampa back into the game? And specifically... Godwin actually had a heck of a game for the first game. He had like almost 100 yards. Does that concern you on the under? It is a concern, and I'm frankly going to have to go back and look through because I know Tampa Bay got 14 late points against prevent defense. I want to see how much of that was to Godwin, but the fact that Tampa Bay put up so much offense late in the game makes me less inclined to fear big uh, production offensively from that first meeting. That's a sophisticated point. So if Godwin had 96 yards and didn't get many yards in the fourth quarter, those are legitimate yards. You could say, okay, if somehow he had 55 on the last couple of possessions when it was prevent, it's not as telling. It's a great, great point. Jonas, how are you as a fan, but obviously predicting what you think is going to happen, accounting for the first game? Well, I, I don't know that you can take a whole lot from it because we've talked about it. It felt like Kansas City got out to this lead and then just sort of coasted and then Tampa Bay you know, scored some points down the stretch. I think both teams are, are different now. I think Tampa Bay is a better team. I also would argue I think Kansas City is a better team as well too just based on the fact that we've seen them when they step their foot on the gas like they did last week against Buffalo, what they're capable of. I, I just, when it comes to props and receiver props with the Buccaneers, one of the things that I've always noticed about Tom Brady, he loves to throw to his running backs, especially in the Super Bowl. When they made that run against Atlanta, James White, you could argue, should have been the MVP based on all the receptions he had. I wonder if it's not wiser to look at running back reception props in this game, knowing that that's Brady's great safety valve, sort of safety blanket that he goes to, in big-time games as we've seen throughout the course of his career. Here's my question, though. How much – if we're saying what do we expect from Brady and we said 
how much of it is the reality of the Super Bowl and how that's going to affect his play as it may be more conservative. Everybody knows the whole three points in the first quarter is all nine Super Bowls combined. I mean, it's amazing, but it's a known thing. That isn't that New England didn't want to win. They won a bunch. It was they know you can lose in the first quarter, but you can't win in the, win it in the first quarter. And they were conservative. And you know what? They've done pretty well. Tampa, it feels like, with Brady, is not near as conservative generally. And it feels like in the conference championship game, where it would be the starting point where you would expect them to regress to maybe Brady's preference, my take, Fez, was they were pretty aggressive in that game. And thus, if they weren't starting to fall back into conservative Brady, Belichickian Brady, then is there any reason at home, especially, that we would think he will? I don't think so. I think he's got those great wide receivers, and especially now that they're healthy. Now that Evans is healthy and A.B. is back, I expect him fully to be winging it to his wide receivers. And I don't think, and Jonas, maybe here's something to ponder, and I want your thought, is I don't think he thinks, if you tell Brady a scale 1 to 100, what what kind of performance do you need to win this game? He's not, you know, he's had games when they were seven point favorites against Carolina in the Super Bowl. He probably would have said a forty, right? Now he he doesn't. I don't know if he'd say it, but the truth would be, I can play a little below average. And we can still win. I think he's got to hit what a seventy five in this game. So if you know Mahomes is going to score and you're Brady, you're getting ready for a shootout. I tend to like the over here. I know it's high. But I, I got a feeling we're going to see a shootout. But I don't, I don't see how Brady wins the game by being too conservative. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if – well, I would say this. If one team's going to trail in this game by double digits at any point, I would think it's going to be Tampa Bay. I could see Tampa Bay trailing by double digits at any point in this game. And then from that – in that sense, that would make me look at a couple of things – Number of players with a reception on the Bucks, and then also that's when I would really start to like throwing to the running back because I think with Bruce Arians' offense, yes, they're going to continue to take shots downfield, but if it gets to the point to where you've got to you know, make some plays and you've got to pick up some yardage and you've got to do it throwing the football, I don't know that they're going to want to sit back and let Tom Brady throw deep the entire game because he did get into trouble a little bit last week against Green Bay when he had to do that. Yeah, and, and I think that Tampa Bay's propensity to run too much early in games hurts them because if they get behind, they'll throw, which is good. But if they're ahead, they're going to keep running, which means they won't stay ahead. I, If I had Tampa bet, and I don't yet, and I don't think I will, I would love Tampa to just be hog-wild aggressive. I think that's the only way you win here. Yeah. But again, it's a great conversation. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We've been looking at the props release for Super Bowl 55, and we've got one more to dive into. Yeah, this is a one that... Obviously, Kelsey, the tight end, very popular. But remember, guys, and Fez is going to help us understand this, there's times the Sharps and the recreational betters are going to like the same thing, especially if it's an over on a popular player. Fez, that's what you see in this game, this matchup. Absolutely. So everyone, the Sharps and the public, likes Kelsey to go over, open 94 reception yards, up to 98. RJ, I think it's going to keep going up. The Sharps I spoke to say basically – 
Tyreek Hill is going to kill you with big plays. It is much better, and, and Hill killed Tampa Bay in the first meeting. So the feeling is, you know, Kelsey's going to get his 15- and 18-yard passes down the middle, but at least you're going to go ahead and make Kansas City earn it on their drive. So the Sharps think Kelsey's going to have another big game, and certainly the public is looking at Kelsey averaging 113 in the playoffs. They're going to bet him over as well. If you like the over, bet over now. I think it only goes even higher from the current 98 number. And that's good big-picture advice. Is This used to be the advice on all games. I don't think it applies as much, but on props it does for sure. If you like the public side, which is almost always going to be the over, more scoring, root for that, bet it as early as possible because as more and more recreational bettors get involved, they will bet the over and the line will go up. It will get more expensive. So if you like unders, wait probably till game day. Now, this is a broad recommendation, but you're going to be right at least 60 plus percent of the time in that you'll get a better number on overs early, better number on unders late. Speaking of overs, billion dollar talk uh, with, I think, a very interesting Wall Street story, Jonas. Yeah, and RJ, you were talking about the billions on Wall Street. What is the voice of Vegas's thought? Well, I tell you, it's the big casino, as they say, right? And <laughs> I, I just kind of want to point this out because I believe this really is a, I think it's fair to say, a historic event. So there's a company, a retail outlet, GameStop. And it's effectively an old techno or an old um, economy type. Hey, it's at the mall. If you're going to the mall, the kids are going to want to go get a game. Hey, let's go play Nintendo. But as everyone who's maybe not super aware of this story might be thinking, well, wait a minute. Can't you download those games now? Why do you have to go? Isn't COVID-19? Like, it seems like if there was ever a time that GameStop wouldn't be a company to have a big investment in, it would be during COVID-19 as we're moving away from physical cartridges or any physical version of the game. But on a Reddit forum, Wall Street Bets, they, over many months, came up with a plan to take down the hedge funds. Now, this sounds crazy, right? This is David versus Goliath because the hedge, fund, the hedge funds have actually been shorting GameStop. So what does shorting mean? It's effectively they're betting against it. So if it goes down, it means the hedge funds would make money. And what these hedge funds do, they're ruthless. I mean, big time. Bobby Axelrod's nothing with these guys. They'll do whatever it takes to get to kill a company that they are betting against. And kill isn't the right word, but crush is, is probably the right word. And what happens is in Elon Musk, who a lot of people, you know, very rich man, I think sometimes at different points, the richest guy in the world, he hates shorts because he thinks it doesn't do anything for the economy and it just is a way to make money, but it's not fair in his thoughts. Well, they started shorting GameStop and literally – the guys on Wall Street, guys and gals on Wall Street bets have fought back, and it sounds kind of absurd, but literally at this point, the hedge funds have lost 19 billion dollars based on this. If you haven't checked it out, just do a search for GameStop. It's something I think that tells you a lot about markets, and it tells you something about 2021, and it's a great, great story to follow. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 